What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of After the Game, a conversation with me and my dad, where we talk about the Utah Jazz, the NBA, and all things sports. My name is Spencer. And this is Barry, the dad. Welcome to After the Game. is now back with its 75th season and no better way to start it off and celebrate it with a jazz win there were great games around the league but we are ecstatic about this game tonight for the utah jazz and their victory over oklahoma city thunder and it was a good game a good first game for them dad what did you think well 107 to 86 victory what we expected wasn't a pretty game wasn't a bad game somewhere in the middle Expected to beat OKC, who's really struggled over the last few years. Even though they have some good, good young talent, Utah Jazz came out and played really, really well. Um, on the defensive end, I thought, even though, again, OKC not a great team, they held them to 86 points, and it really, the defensive rating probably will be really strong. They didn't really make it that close, even though it was a, you know, a 21-point victory. So good job by the Jazz. And uh, Rudy Gobert played sensational tonight. Good to see the uh, Defensive Player of the Year doing his job on both ends of the floor tonight. It took Gobert only 12 minutes to record his first double-double of the season. He finished with, um, right here it says, he finished with 16 points and 21 rebounds and got a block in there as well. So a pretty good game for Gobert, and hopefully we see this as a pattern throughout the season. Another big takeaway is that Bogdanovich had the most points in the game. He got 22 points, had four rebounds, and two assists. And then, like always, Clarkson was on the bench and came in with a stellar performance with 18 points. And that always is what we look forward to as, as Jazz fans. is a great start for Clarkson and for everyone else. With the new players in the rotation, it was a good way to get the first game out of the season. Um, they obviously didn't play a very competitive team, but which I feel like was good because it helps them kind of adjust to each other in a professional game. Uh, Whiteside played really well. He had his six points, but I liked his 10 rebounds to show that he had an impact in the game and was getting in there and hustling. And then Pascal um, rhymes with Rascal, so Pascal had three points and three rebounds. Nothing too great, missed a couple of shots. What I loved about him was his energy and what he brought. He looked like he was excited to be out there, excited to have the ball, and excited to be on a winning team. Not saying that the Warriors that he played for last season were a winning team, but he definitely enjoys the chemistry of this team. Yeah, you mentioned Whiteside. I thought what was interesting, we've seen this throughout the career of Rudy Gobert being the defender of the paint for the Utah Jazz. People drive in, they go, oh my gosh, there's Gobert, I gotta dribble back out. It happened when Whiteside was in. So the Jazz have a one-two punch with two great defenders at the center position. And I do believe that that's going to just pay huge dividends as the season goes on. We mentioned Boyan Bogdanovich had 22 points and led the Jazz in scoring. Tonight wasn't Donovan Mitchell's best night. Um, first game, um, shaking off the rust a little bit, even though he had an okay preseason. He came out and really hustled on the defensive end, and we've heard that that's what he wants to do is play better on the defensive end. But Bogdanovich um, with 22 points. The Jazz shot 47 threes tonight, shot 30%, 14 of 47. That's been the story for them last season and this season is shooting the three-point ball and uh, they were able to make it very steady you know 107 points averaging you know just over 26 points um, a quarter basically 
and it was a really, really just steady effort throughout the night, and uh, again, great defense by the Utah Jazz. So Ingles played well off the bench as well, which is important because he actually played a game that I hope he can repeat throughout the season. If that's going to be his role, he kind of comes in off the bench and hits his threes and kind of opens up the game a little bit more for the um, bench team and, and for other players. So the bench is there. The, the Jazz have definitely showed their depth. Um, I'm glad that we have someone like Whiteside to come in and, and still keep Gobert's presence in, in a way. Um, it looked like Mitchell was just a little sluggish. He always has a rough start. It's not, it's too, I mean, we, we kind of got used to him coming off strong early um, towards the end of the season, and that didn't, that didn't seem to happen. It didn't really go into the third quarter. Uh, but still, he, he looked well. He had some black shoes on. Kind of kind of looked like he um, was just there to, to get the first game out of the way and played all right. And then Jared Butler, our, our draft pick, played okay. I think it was kind of a good step for him to enter into the league. He got a couple of minutes but didn't make any points. He missed a couple of shots and just kind of seemed like he had his, his first year jitters there. And still played okay, and, and so that's definitely something to look forward to. Again, Oklahoma, they had their rookie, uh, his nickname Giddy from Australia, and he had some energy, but there wasn't really too much of a threat. I don't think the Jazz ever went down other than the first maybe two minutes of the game. but So it wasn't too much of a challenge. They almost went up by 30 at one point. So hopefully they can continue off of that. Yeah, this is a really tough uh, opening night podcast for us because you look at the stats on both sides of the ledger for the Jazz and for OKC, and there's nothing really that jumps out at you. Gobert's 16 points and 21 rebounds are impressive, and he wanted every rebound. Um, not a tough game for the Jazz, and OKC didn't have anybody that really jumped off the stat sheet uh, Gilgeous Alexander had, you know, 18 points, um, but the shooting wasn't great. They were in what they shot. They didn't shoot well really at all tonight. Did they? Their shooting percentage was 37%. The Jazz weren't much better at 44%. The Jazz shot 30% from three. OKC only shot 20% from three. There just wasn't a lot of great play in this game, but the Jazz come out with a 21-point victory. And now we start to uh, really unload as the season moves forward. Let's, let's switch our attention to a game that we were watching simultaneously. That was the game of the night. And uh, Mike Brain on the call for ESPN said this might have been one of the best opening night games in the history of the 75 years of the NBA. And that was the Celtics and the Knicks at Madison Square Garden that went to double overtime. What a game. Uh, what a crowd. Good to see crowds back in the arenas and just a, a barn burner from tip to buzzer and definitely in the overtime with the Knicks getting the win. An entertaining game for sure between two city rivals. You got Boston, you got New York at Madison Square Garden. So it was good to see the fans there. The electricity, uh, the electric vibe was definitely something that was anticipated and it went into overtime it didn't look like it was going to go into overtime i think the knicks were up by six with just about 20 seconds left or, or around less than a minute for sure and then two threes dropped for the celtics putting them into overtime a big thing to take away which i thought was impressive was the knicks um i don't know how to pronounce his name For fournier fournier yep fournier he it was his debut for the knicks first game for them and he dropped 32 points so a 30 point night for 
a um, debut is pretty impressive. And, and Randall, their, their all-star, Julius Randall, he had 35 points, 8 rebounds, 9 assists, almost got his triple-double, but he was off the charts, and, and they went to him towards the end. And there was just some shots falling. It looks like each team went back and forth as we were watching the game, and they both hit threes in each other's face, went down, hit another three, hit another three. Then they went cold, and then there was a couple seconds left, and you thought the game was going to be over, and then a three went in, and, and it all changed. So that was impressive. And then, obviously, the Celtics had their their leaders with Jalen Brown dropping 46 points, huge opener for him, and then Tatum had 11 rebounds and, and a few baskets as well. Yeah, talking about this game makes it a little bit easier to talk about this game than the Jazz opener because there were some record-setting performances. I believe for Fournier, his 32 points was the most on an opening night by a first-year New York Knick. There's a lot of things that I said there, but the most points by a first-year Knick on opening night. And then Jalen Brown had a career-high 46 points and quite frankly, I think was in the top five or six of opening night points production in the history of the NBA. So he's in some elite company. But it was just a fun game to watch. And again, I go back to fans being in the stands, the electricity that was in the building, the excitement of, that the Knicks will bring this season and really uh, bring the, you know, the greatest city in the world, so to speak, back on its feet for the game of basketball, which will make it fun. It was a little bit interesting watching the game and knowing that Kemba Walker was on the Knicks. Yeah. And so you'd hear Kemba Walker's name and see him play, and you'd go, wait a minute, he's on the Celtics. No, he's on the Knicks. And he played the full first overtime and then was out, and, uh, and Derek Rose came in for him and played fairly well. So the Knicks have a formidable team this year that could bring basketball back to the city of New York and really make it rock across the East River in Brooklyn, so that you have this crosstown rivalry that will mean quite a bit between the Nets and the Knicks. Yeah, it's definitely going to be fun to see the Knicks this year. Um, they had a good run last season, so it feels good as a Knicks fan to see them contending for playoffs. So let's jump over the first game of the season to kick it all off was the Brooklyn Nets versus the the returning champs, um, Milwaukee Bucks, and that game was fun. The Nets. All eyes have been on the Nets over the past couple of years with their forming of an all-star team. And without Kyrie playing, it was it was actually a close game for a little bit. But, I mean, Milwaukee proved by they're the champs. And they kind of took it to them with um, Giannis kind of outperforming everyone with 32 points, 14 rebounds, and 7 assists, almost getting his triple-double. And the rest of the team proving why they were the champions and with Middleton scoring 20 points. And they, it almost seems like Giannis is going to have a, another season where you just don't want to be in his way. And it's going to be hard because you have people like like Durant and Harden who don't miss shots that often, but they couldn't seem to find it towards the end of the game. They, they lost 104 to 127. Yeah, just a lot of fun. Listen, we were talking last night as we watched this game, where does Durant fit in the greatness of the NBA? And this is a guy who can score. This is a guy who, again, at a seven-foot, you know, big player who can do things that other seven-footers can't do, and he's just magical and, again, had a really good night with 32 points, 11 rebounds, and four assists. But then you look on the other side of the court and you start saying the same thing about Giannis. Where does he fit in the glory of the NBA? Now he's nine season in. He's won, you know, Defensive Player of the Year. He's won... MVP, he's won finals MVP, 
And so you had two really, really great players. That goes back to our podcast from Monday night that says, this is a great season to watch great basketball no matter what game you're watching. You're watching superstars on almost every team do some amazing things. So this was a fun game to watch. The opener of the 75th season of the NBA goes to the Bucks, 127-104. And I believe you're right. Giannis is going to have an incredible year. And do the Bucks repeat? That's a big question. We talked about it on Monday night at our podcast. They've got it in them. The reality is now they know how to win. And this is going to be just electrifying to see how the Bucks play throughout the season and if we can see a repeat champion against so many great teams. It's going to be tough for sure. I think they are definitely have a target on them, but Giannis is, almost seems unstoppable. And it's kind of crazy watching them play. But moving along, I guess we, we had the other, the other anticipated night with the Golden State Warriors and the Lakers, which was anticipated mainly because of the Lakers team they're forming, and, and they almost seem to be assembling the old-school Avengers, and they're trying to put together each old player and put them in and, and experiment with that, which is fun. It didn't work out for Westbrook. That's kind of been the talk is that he didn't have the impact that he wanted and what the fans wanted. LeBron is still LeBron. I don't know how this guy at his age is putting up these numbers, 34 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists. That's kind of, that's kind of, for where he's at in his career, I mean, we're, we almost say it's no surprise, but we forget how long he's been in the league and, and the toll it must have on him, but he's still putting up numbers that are incredible. It wasn't enough, though, as they lost 114 to 121. Curry had a triple-double. He had 21 points and then had a triple-double, but overall... It, was, it wasn't It was there for the Lakers yet. This is only game one, and that's something that we may have to remind ourselves as we watch this week. It's the beginning games for each team. They're kind of figuring out where they play, where they shouldn't play. But the Lakers were, were anticipated, and these are players that can just pick up a ball and be the best on the court, but they didn't come together and play like, like a team in a way that they could win the game. Yeah, this game was interesting because the Lakers looked to be in control and they looked to be the dominant team and they looked to be the team that would win. And then you'd look at the score and the Warriors would be right there, down five, down three, down seven, back to three. And it's like the Warriors just wear, wore them down a little bit. And actually Curry didn't have that great of a first half. He just didn't play well. And then all of a sudden you wake up, the Warriors score 38 points in the final quarter. They win by seven, and Curry ends up with a triple-double. 21 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists, even though he only shot 23% from the field. It's, it's just mind-boggling to see a player of this nature have a bad night but end up with a triple-double. And what I mean by that is, again, you're watching greatness. Just like we saw in Kevin Durant and Giannis in Game 1 of the NBA season, Game two had LeBron James and Steph Curry. A lot of fun. And uh, watching the Lakers lose at home their opening game, no need to panic. But it's going to be interesting to see how Westbrook fits in. If you go back to the Lakers' stats, last night you had Anthony Davis with 33 points and 11 rebounds and LeBron James with 34 points and 11 rebounds. But where was Westbrook? Again, like Spence, you said eight points, five rebounds, four assists. Not a Westbrook-type game. So Lakers lose their opener. 81 more games. The Warriors win. 
that'll be interesting. The West is going to be just a, a strong back and forth. Still no Clay Thompson. Um, Curry had his, I think it was his eighth triple-double of his career, just maybe or uh, around that. But still no Clay Thompson. Uh, um, Green played okay, but it's going to be interesting to see where these two teams line up, mainly because the West is so competitive. If you look at the players, you would think, okay, this is definitely top three. These teams are definitely top four. But it, I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers finished fifth or sixth, and the Warriors were right there too at fifth or sixth. They just don't seem to have the same level that other players are, or other teams have. And we're even sleeping on teams like the the Suns, and we're we're forgetting to even mention the Nuggets, who are both are playing right now. I, I don't know if the score is. Looks like it's seventy five for the Nuggets, seventy four Nuggets, sixty five Suns, with about four thirty left in the third quarter. So that's going to be a competitive. Those are competitive teams as well. Again, game one, there's still eighty or eighty one, eighty two more games left from these teams. It's going to be interesting to see where they line up. I would be surprised if, and this might be a bold prediction, if the Lakers or the um, Warriors finish in top five. Not to say they're not a great team come postseason, but there are other great teams out there. Yeah, you're watching the the rest of the, the league really come alive tonight with a lot of games. As we mentioned, our Jazz winning 107-86. Uh, four minutes left in the third, as Spencer said, and, and the Nuggets are up nine in Phoenix, 74-65. Uh, surprising game right now. The Kings are winning 88-79 over the Blazers in Portland. I don't know if that holds either one of these games. Earlier in the evening, the Hornets beat the Pacers 123-122, to so an exciting game in Charlotte with uh, kind of – the, the Pacers almost getting back into that game as they were down quite a bit and came roaring back um, in in the uh, third quarter to almost take that victory in Charlotte. And LaMelo Ball leading his team with 31 points and Sabonis for the Pacers for 33. So LaMelo Ball having just a great opening night for uh, the Charlotte Hornets with 31 points, nine rebounds, and seven assists in only a second season. I haven't been a big fan of LaMelo, and I know there's been a lot of hype about him and his family, but he's really uh, walking the talk, and his actions are speaking louder than his words, and uh, looks like he'll have a great season. So that was 123-122. The Bulls win in Detroit, 94-88, somewhat expected there. We talked about the Celtics and the Knicks. Um, the Wizards beat the Raptors in Toronto as the Raptors, you know, only three years removed from a championship run, just kind of falling out of grace in the NBA. We'll see where their season goes. And then two, three other games. Gosh, a whole bushel of games here. The Timberwolves beating the Rockets in Minnesota. The Sixers go into New Orleans and beat up on the Pelicans. You look at that and you think about the stats there. Um for the Pelicans and, and, and what's happening um, with, with Brandon Ingram being the high scorer for the Pelicans. And then the Sixers, without Ben Simmons, you know, doing what they need to do in that game. And then just one other game this evening, the Spurs absolutely handed it to the Magic, 123-97. Yeah, so it, clearly there's teams around the league that are going to make some surprises for us, and we're not going to see coming, but... Uh, but interesting to see the, the Hornets take that win. They, they outscored 
their opponent in the um, third quarter by 20. At one point, they were like on a 20-point run where they kind of took over. Uh, interesting to see how Phoenix holds up. They or um, Philadelphia holds up. Clearly, the Pelicans aren't too much of a con- of a of an opponent, but they still won that without without Simmons. So it'll be interesting to see what they make what their decision is going to be with Simmons moving forward. If they can realize, hey, wait, to still be a good team, we, we don't really need him. I I don't really know too much about Zion Williamson. It seems like he's injured and he's not playing right yeah, now. Yeah, recovering from a broken foot. So here's a guy who has all the makings of being the, the next superstar because of his ability around the rim and how he ran actually the point position last year near the end of the season for the Pelicans, but out of action as he returns from a broken foot. Yeah, so the next game for the for the Jazz will be on Friday against Sacramento. Sacramento's currently winning right now against, um, against Portland, right? Mm-hmm. So in Portland. In Portland, too. Sam Merrill is on Sacramento, so that's fun to... For all the Utah State fans to to follow, but Sacramento hasn't really been too scary for the for many teams. It'll be interesting to see if they win tonight, the momentum going because the Jazz they didn't really play. They played really well. Mitchell just what it, it what made it seem like they didn't play super great is because we didn't see that explosive energy from Mitchell. He had one good play where he kind of drove to the hoop with Derek Favors, a former Jazz player, on him, and he was able to somehow, we still don't know how he did it, <laughs> left-handed layup off the glass from such an awkward angle floating out of bounds. And so that was great to see from a from a all-star to see him have an all-star move. But because he wasn't as explosive, it didn't feel like the Jazz played at a great level, even though they still blew out their opponent. And if you look at the statistics, we had Joe Ingles getting 10 points. We had players coming in and still performing well even though Royce didn't score he still had his rebounds he still had his impact the Jazz still played really well but since we are so used to Mitchell going off and dominating it didn't feel like a Jazz win if that makes sense I mean I know it's a team I know it's a team win and it takes a team to win and every player needs to step up and Gobert did and everybody else did but where but because Mitchell wasn't there it didn't feel like it and so now it's like okay well our, I know our depth is there, but we want to see our all-star come out and win the game for us, and hopefully he can do that against Sacramento. Yeah, no doubt. Again, when you look at tonight's game, there's nothing that you jump out at or can spend five minutes really talking a lot about other than Rudy Gobert, 16 points and 21 rebounds. I mean, to come out, and he, and he, and he could have had more, I'm sure. There were a few rebounds that he went to grab and Royce grabbed, but he was very active and... I heard a comment during the broadcast tonight that this is kind of a holdover from him winning the silver medal in the Olympics and really wanting that gold. But listen, this is his ninth year, similar to Giannis, and Rudy has the ability to help be a leader alongside of Donovan Mitchell. So a good win and a good team effort. You know, you now look forward to this game on Friday night with Sacramento as they're now up, I think, by 13 late in the third against Portland. Um, as Dame Lillard time starts to, to come into shape. We'll see how that game finishes in the fourth quarter. But you have uh, De'Aaron Fox, who has 24 points right now at the end of the third, and uh, Harrison Barnes, another 23 points. Um, their center, who I really like, uh, Rashawn Holmes, playing well tonight as well with 19 points and 10 rebounds. This is not a game to look past or a team to sleep on. So... It'll be a really good test 
for the Jazz to go on the road after having not really been tried too hard tonight, get into Sacramento and play a late game on Friday night to see how they do. So we'll have to see if Sacramento wins in Portland. They're going to be coming in with a lot of momentum, and it's going to be their home opener, which most teams like to win. Yeah, Damian Lillard always plays with heart, which is why I really like him, but maybe just because of his trade rumors and his attitude in the postseason, he's not really awake yet. Um, but it's still Dame time with the fourth quarter coming up, so maybe they can pull off a win. I would like to see the Jazz have another game like tonight where they b almost blow out their opponent, mainly because I want to see, uh, obviously, a Jazz win. But Mitchell kind of did, he landed awkwardly. I don't know if that, if that really affected his game. He landed awkwardly when he was thinking about getting a rebound, and it almost seemed like he limped a little bit. And so maybe it would be good for him to just have an explosive beginning where we can just rest a little bit and, and hopefully not make that turn into any, anything seriously serious. I know Conley had a really good night, a little bit quiet, but he still scored, I think, 10 points and did his part. Um, and I really like Jordan Clarkson's performance as usual. He did turn it over. The Jet, luckily, the Jazz had only 10 turnovers, which is good to hear for the Jazz. If they can keep it at least under 13, then that's a good night for them. Um, but 10 turnovers only. And Clarkson, double zero. And now we have Pascal with number zero. So it's going to be fun watching these two at work when they're in together. And, and clearly Clarkson isn't slowing down. He's being the best player on the court when he's in. And he's taking his shots and making his threes and having that fun energy. Um, little shout-out, he is also now the only athlete, male athlete, to be representing Lululemon. So that's interesting. And I think it's because he has such good fashion and because he's just a fun guy. And so... I personally love Clarkson, and it was fun to see him back in, in action. And obviously the bench for the Jazz, because of their depth, is a big part of their game. But a good night for the, for the bench is when they score around 30 points, and that's what we did tonight. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Jordan Clarkson and his endorsement or sponsorship with Lululemon. I think it'll be officially announced tomorrow, but Harley Rowe, the uh, sideline reporter for the Utah Jazz, broke the story late in the game tonight. And always good to see Jordan Clarkson get the nod off the court of what he means in the world of fashion. We love watching him play. Spencer's a big fan of Jordan Clarkson. There are so many Clarkson fans that are out there. I think what you love to see is it's like, hey, I get a play today. Yeah. And he just goes out and plays. And again, those who follow the Jazz, what makes this interesting is I think Quinn Snyder says, hey, go play. And I don't know how many coaches in the NBA have that mentality with a player where they can just say, go play. And that's what's made Clarkson the sixth man of the year and really what made him have a lot of fun tonight and be productive and make sure that the Jazz had a, a, a good win and, and, a, and a common effort. So a lot of fun watching Jordan Clarkson. Really liked our team tonight. It'll be interesting over the coming weeks as Rudy Gay gets healthy mm -hmm. and have him come into the lineup and where some of those minutes go and see if he can produce for us. Um, however, we we came back doing what we do well, and that's win and keep a team at bay. And really with our defense tonight, the defensive rating will be great with with them only scoring, um, you know, 86 points tonight. Yeah, so it was a great start to the 75th anniversary of the, the league. Commissioner Silver was there tonight. He was on his way, I think, to L.A. or something, but and he stopped over, so he had a good little interview and talked about how Ryan Smith is a great owner, and we definitely appreciate all that Ryan Smith has done for the Jazz organization. So good start to the 75th year. Jazz are up. Um, they hopefully can keep, keep going 
We have a tough game coming up next week with Denver, but these first two games should be good. I would like to see Mitchell be a little bit more explosive, and I would I would like um, a lot of, uh, but uh, but he definitely had his his mind there, and he, he did well for us. So it's going to be interesting to see how the next game goes, and then as we start to play heavier opponents throughout the season. Yep, great start. Thanks, Vince. Thanks, Dad.